there, you're listening to the She's Up podcast. I'm your host, Caitlin M. Kirksey. She's Up is all about us rising to our call as kingdom women. On each episode, you'll hear from regular women and how they are looking for and living out their callings in everyday life. I can't wait for you to join us on our journey to be the kind of women that when our feet hit the floor, the devil says, oh no, she's up. friends. Welcome back to She's Up. I am so excited to kick off season two with you all. This season, we are diving in to friendship, and I can't think of any better way to do that than for you all to meet some of the best people that I know. We are going to jump in and talk about what it really means to be a friend, to find a friend, to do life with our friends and the reality of it. And my sweet friends that have so graciously agreed to come and hang out with us. Oh my gosh, y'all, they brought the good stuff this season. I cannot wait for you to come along on this ride of season two with us. And I, cannot wait for you to meet our very first guest. So without further ado, here is my conversation with my friend, Adrian. Hello, party people, and welcome back to She's Up. I am so excited for you to be with us as we kick off our first episode of season two. Um, I am over the moon because you all are going to get to meet my very best friend in the whole world today, Miss Adrian, well, Mrs. Adrian Hubanks. Um, and y'all, I just know that this conversation is going to be incredible, and I'm so excited for you to hear it. Adrian is someone that is wise, considerate, fierce, and just compassionate and kind. Guys, she is basically the total package, and I cannot wait for you to get to meet her and to hang out with us today. So, Adrian, how are you feeling? What's going on? I'm so excited to be doing this, and I'm even more excited to be, like, watching you in action. Um, It's always (laughs) fun to see a best friend living out you know, a dream and a passion. And that's a really, really cool honor to get to be here um, with you, Caitlin, and with you, um, Caitlin's listeners. <laughs> so I'm really excited. I'm excited about this. See where the conversation takes us. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. Yeah. And just so you guys know, Adrian and I's entire friendship is built on deep life chats. So literally if- <laughs> life chats that started at age 13, Regarding Pretty Little Liars and Once Upon a Time. Yes, laying on the floor. Yes, Mm -hmm. the whole awkward teenage thing. Oh my gosh. And they've just gotten better and better with time. Oh yes, (laughs) thankfully they have improved over time. (laughs) Only only sometimes. better for everyone. Yes. (laughs) Oh man. Well, let's just jump in. So as someone who knows you very well, I guess I have to sit out of answering this question, but what is something that all of your friends know about you? I like this question. It's hard. Um, it took me a little while to think about <laughs> what it was that people thought about me. So I definitely had to do some asking around um, and had a couple of answers come to mind. Um, the first one was that uh, a lot of people expect me to be kind of 
more in the, the extroverted camp. Um, and I am way more an introvert than I am an extrovert. Mm-hmm. Um, and what my friends really know about that, I mean, I think that they know, you know, where I, where I fit in terms of those terms. But my, my friends know and recognize and appreciate and make space for me to be able to have quiet time, peaceful time, alone time, and do so in a way that is understanding that that's a need of mine and not me pushing away from them. Um, especially when I think back to like living with, uh, some of my girlfriends, um, in especially like five girls in one bedroom or five girls in one house. Like you definitely have to learn those things about (laughs) each other. Um, so many of my friends know that I, I need quiet, quiet time, quiet space, um, fairly often. But I did ask, um, I did ask my husband when I was kind of stumped with this question, what do my friends all know about me? And he said that you absolutely hate having your toes popped. And I was like, there's literally not one of my friends that knows that. So now, now Caitlin knows this and now you know this. So spread the news, everyone. I hate having my toes popped. Yes. It's torture that he does. And you know what's funny is thinking about that, I feel like there have been times just like because of the casual nature of our friendship that I've been around when he's been like messing with you and doing this after you say that. Oh my like, gosh, yes. But that's so funny. But he's I He's just such a big brother and yes. I don't have brothers. So I don't <laughs> understand that inner working of like yes. being picked on by someone mm-hmm. in like a fun, loving yes. way. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if the Blakey girls were uh, fun, loving, big brother types. (laughs) No, not really. (laughs) Oh, man. Gosh. Man, we love Rich. Well, what is something that you would say you are an expert in? Um, It is definitely my ability to sleep anywhere. Um, (laughs) I can sleep anywhere. I can sleep in public. I can sleep in a moving vehicle. I can sleep in a bus. Um, I love taking naps. My preference is the long type of naps that you wake up and you're like, oh my gosh, is this a different age? Like (laughs) what, what happened? So much time passed. Those are the best kind. I can in fact attest to the fact that you can literally sleep anywhere. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, being here in this conversation with you, Caitlin, it makes me think back to like, traveling for basketball tournaments I was just thinking that I literally would like I'm very tall so I have long legs and so I would like in in the bus like a normal school bus Uh put put my back against the seat and then my legs in like the form of a ball but Uh my legs are long enough that I could fill the entire spot so I would just like wedge myself between the bus seats Uh to sleep all the way or um, sleeping in bleachers Oh, like yeah. long ways. I remember you and D would sleep. Like one of you would sleep on the like actual seat. One of you would sleep like in between like the step of the bleachers. Yes. <laughs> so many good yes. naps when <laughs> traveling for basketball. <laughs> yes. And it was oh necessary because we're all been running. God. <laughs> all right, my friend. So would you say you are looking for or living out your calling? I really think that I am doing a little bit and a lot of both 
of them right now. Um, maybe it's just my stage of life and maybe that's just how life goes for all of life. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and that I am absolutely still learning and seeking out what the Lord is calling me to be doing where I am at and in the stage of life that I'm at with the resources and abilities that I have. And at the same time, I know that I am also living out the things and the actions that the Lord has called me to, that I experienced those callings, you know, mm-hmm. a year ago, two years ago, that had had those realizations of this is what I need to be doing. This is mm-hmm. what I need to be taking active steps in. So I really think, I really think it's a little bit of both for me. Okay. So, so what does it look like for you to navigate the space of both looking for and also living out your calling? Um, I think that it is a, is a balance of being present where I'm at and, um, living out what I know that I've been called to and the things that come to mind for that, that I am actively working on day to day is, um, mainly just like loving, loving the people that I interact with and not being afraid to share what I know about Jesus with the people that I'm interacting with on a day to day basis. And, um, this is something that I know it seems so obvious, right? Like, of course we're called to do that. Of course you should be doing that. Um, but for a long time, I had a lot of fears about mm-hmm. doing that just because I didn't feel confident um, sharing those things or sharing my faith or felt like I would be uh, reprimanded or just looked down upon by other mm-hmm. people. And um, I'm fortunate to work in a space and get to interact with lots of different types of people groups that come from lots of different religious backgrounds um, as well as people who are not religious at all. And, um, even just where, where we're at now, um, have made some really great friends and it's been really wonderful to step into that, you know, that day to day of living out this calling of asking them questions about their faith or when they ask questions about my faith, being willing to open up Mm -hmm. about this thing that is very, very intimate that I should be proud of and confident Absolutely. to share. And I would say that that's, a, that's one way that I am living out my calling right now. Mm. Um, but then in the sense of still looking for my calling, I think it's ever changing. I think that that calling is absolutely um, going to stay true for, for all of my life. And right now it, it is that we are inter- interacting with lots of, lots of people who are skeptical and curious and all of the above, um, that I get to share those things with. But at the same time, I know that there's going to be opportunities that the Lord puts in front of me and says, I need you to do this. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what those things are going to be, mm-hmm. but I remember going to a conference in college and heard David Platt speak and he's amazing. Um, and the focus of this conference was really around missions. And that's, uh, not something at this time that I feel God has laid on my heart, but I remember him talking about the fact that he and his wife did not have, had not experienced that calling either. And they had wanted to, but they, they truly did not feel like they were being called to that. And the description that he used was, 
I'm going to, I am, I am laying my hands out in front of me to God saying, put whatever it is that you want to call me to in my hands Mm. and I will grab it and do it. And I just remember being so struck by that analogy. And when I think about living out my calling, looking for a calling, that's the posture that comes to mind for Mm. me is I am, I am standing here with open hands, prepared and ready to grab, asking for whatever it is that God is willing to put in my hands and I'm going to do it. And Mm. so I think that's why I feel like I am absolutely still looking for my calling. Maybe I, yes, looking, but asking for my calling, Mm. asking for what it is, asking for that direction that God is going to give me. And when he does, that's when, you know, I, I hope and pray that I have, I have bolstered my faith Mm. and I have relied on my community and I have, people praying alongside me and that I am praying and I am ready to take hold of that when that calling does get placed in my hands. You know, there's something that I want all of you to know about Adrian is Adrian is very thoughtful and not in the sense that it's limited to like her being just deeply considerate of people but something that I have been so grateful for over the last 10 plus years of our friendship is the thought and the, the intentional, like listening to what the Lord has asked of her. And it's a, it's one of my favorite things about you, A, because you, we're both busy bodies, right? Like we, (laughs) we joke about that a lot, but I'm so incredibly grateful for your, well, whoa, Hey, let's think about this. Maybe take some like different perspectives and really seek and listen to what is being asked of us. And in all of our adventures and in everywhere we've gone, I've been just overwhelmingly grateful for your willingness to to be patient because I <laughs> but um, you just so 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 grateful for your willingness mm. to pause and to rest and to seek the peace of obedience that comes when we walk faithfully where the Lord has called us even mm. even in the little things and even in our baby callings I think it's, I think it, I think the statement is especially in the little things. Mm-hmm. Like if yeah. we, if we can't be faithful in the little things, you know, then and what's going to happen when the big things come, we have to be faithful mm-hmm. in the little things. And I think, <sighs> I mean, the word patient stands out to me because it's funny that you say that I am patient because I do not feel like I am patient. <laughs> I feel like I am so impatient most of the time. And I think it's just a matter of of having those moments that I like force myself mentally to be present mm. and present in a sense of like a moment, but also in the sense of a day. And I, I know that sounds kind of odd, but like tomorrow is not promised. Mm-hmm. 
And I used to be very caught up in what are my plans? What are my goals? Mm -hmm. Five year goals, three year, like literally my whole (laughs) life was planned out at one point in time. And you know, I loved that. And I had so much security, fake security in having a plan. Mm -hmm. But I think when, when we are, when we're choosing to be present in, in the day that we are in and taking hold of opportunities to love someone we don't know or be there alongside someone supporting someone we do know and love. And then also just walking faithfully in that day, like that is how we are like standing there with our palms open, being patient Mm -hmm. for what is to come because when it does come, then you're ready to grab hold of it because it's on that day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it, it's like you said, we have to be prepared. Like the, yeah. the Lord will send us and he will also equip us, but we have to, we have to have our hearts and hands ready and willing. Mm-hmm. And, and it's mm-hmm. kind of like the story of the unmoved rock, right? Mm-hmm. Like the man pushes and pushes up against the boulder and he's he looks to God in frustration. He's like, the boulder is not moving. And the Lord says, but I made you strong. And and I know that we have walked through things where, and I know we talked about this recently, right? Like we have experienced things together that equipped us in ways that we didn't understand until afterwards. But mm-hmm. in the midst of it, we were very confused and almost questioned the obedience that we both like I remember sitting mm-hmm. on that couch in the basement of the Zeta house and knowing truly like what we were asked to do and we did mm-hmm. it and then when it didn't work out we both I think we both doubted in very different ways mm-hmm. but it was it was really challenging for us in that moment to say oh this obedience was ultimately beneficial for the kingdom. But mm-hmm. now, years out from that, you know, we're we're walking into a new adventure where yeah. it's abundantly clear that like we were pushing a rock that wasn't ever supposed to be moved so that we could build strength to do something else. Mm-hmm. Gives me goosebumps. <laughs> I love that. And for people that don't know what I'm talking about, I will link the story to the unmovable rock. It's one of, it's one of my favorite stories. And I feel like I've relied on it a lot (laughs) in my faith journey. And it's something that a mentor shared with me when I was in high school. And it's just always been a sweet reminder of God's faithfulness. So if you are looking for that, I'll link it in the show notes. All right. So thinking back and kind of looking at where you are now, what would you say have been some of the things that have prepared you to be where you are now? Whether that's in your career, whether that's in your faith or in your community, in your marriage, like what are some experiences that you've walked through and that you've learned from that have equipped you to be sent currently where you're at? Yeah, yeah. Hmm. 
the the phrase that is coming to mind right now is most certainly I mean it's like it's such an intimate thing see I told you I was going to cry on this podcast episode (laughs) oh my gosh um is I mean really just like overcoming the idol of ambition and it's for the I mean for people who do know me um I I think that they probably have have seen that for years Uh but for the people who maybe don't don't know me well um or are just just meeting me in this episode you you may not know but um I I was really really consumed I mean from from high school like Uh literally I would say from as early as like my freshman year of high Uh school just really consumed and found I wouldn't even say consumed at the time I found value and worth in myself by success that I had whether that was like student council or making varsity or um making an officer team or winning a contest or winning a game or making a shot like success of any sort Mm -hmm. was fueling the value that I viewed myself with Uh for a really really long time and I didn't know that like really I really didn't Uh know which is absurd until the end of my freshman year of college Uh um when like truly and this is going to sound like really big-headed possibly but like when I like actually lost for the first time Uh and I didn't yeah I didn't win and um, I, I actually lost to my husband, um, which was, <laughs> was the best way to have lost, um, <laughs> because I, I loved, I loved the person that beat me and, and God, God really, I mean, it was the absolute perfect scenario for me to have mm-hmm. had, yes. um, an idol of ambition and misplaced self-value mm-hmm. come absolutely crashing down around me. Um, but with the person that is the figurehead of that coming crashing down, right? The person who beats you, um, who wins and and you lose that person, instead of being some just like random person, it was a person that I loved Uh so much and that loved me and was willing to, you know, encourage and, and walk through that with me, um, which is super abnormal, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but then throughout college, like I, I, I feel like I went through this like tug of war, of like mm-hmm. still trying to pursue things because it was what I knew and it was what I was comfortable with, mm-hmm. and then being like, no, I don't want to do this, and like it was a very exhausting thing to do that because I was still overextending myself, Mm -hmm. but I was like resentful of myself for doing Uh that. And I, and I think that, you know, this is a long story, right? My whole journey with ambition, um, really came to a head when, when there was, you know, something that was like a a pinnacle kind of goal that I had had throughout Mm -hmm. most of college that I had come to the conclusion of like, you know what, if it doesn't happen, I'm content. Uh And really the odds of it happening were so slim. Like 
really probability wise should not have happened. And like 1000%, the Lord made that happen. Mm -hmm. And to this day, I don't totally understand why it happened. And now since then, like I have been, I've been in this, this place where I don't feel this like unquenchable thirst anymore Uh of like, I have to have the recognition. I have to have a title. I have to have a whatever it is. And I, I wish I could say I could pinpoint like how, how that happened or how I did that to overcome this idol of ambition. But like, I truly did not do that. Mm. It was the Lord humbling me through losses, multiple losses. And then coming back when my heart had changed and saying, now I'm going to bring bring a success that is not yours. It is mine, mm-hmm. meaning God's. And now you are now you are prepared to have this success because because it is something that you are doing for me, not for yourself, not for your own glorification. And I think that that has been like truly one of the biggest heart changes I have experienced in my life that, Gosh, I'm just so glad that it's, mm-hmm. I'm so glad that it happened. But I also know that, I mean, everyone has different sin struggles. And I think that, like, the ambition and pride that comes mm-hmm. with it will absolutely be something that I have to pay attention to my entire life. Yeah. So as to not just, like, fall back into it. Because mm-hmm. it would be so easy. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm, I'm so grateful for that. And, you know, and not, not even just her resume, like the piece of paper is not what like is impressive about Adrian. It's the fact that she has done so many incredible things and uses them like these skills and these talents, and these abilities that the Lord has gifted her, right? Like she she is fierce. Like she is kind and compassionate and sweet and loving and funny, but like she's fierce. And I want you to know that this and having had a very intimate look in this. And it's so interesting for me to, you know, virtually sit across from you and just walk, like walk through memory lane alongside you in this Mm -hmm. and just really be over Whelmed with the gratitude of the Lord, like softening your heart. Because I mm-hmm. think like I look back at college and, you know, and I told you this, so I don't, I don't feel wrong sharing this on the podcast with the couple hundred people that listen to it. But, you know, in high school, I really feel like I lived in your shadow and we've talked about that. And that was part of, honestly part of my like campus climbing journey and it was not explicitly and exclusively you no but all, all of that to say kind of circling back to this you know there was for both of us entering into college this kind of intense and almost desperate need to achieve based on our value and I think it made both of us very 
rough around the edges, for lack of a better term. Mm -hmm. And it really separated us from the softness that both you and I have within us that the Lord has also given to us. Mm-hmm. And I just, yeah. I'm incredibly grateful that when we got to figure that out together, mm-hmm. because we, we understand each other on a better level because of how we felt walking through college, but also because, you know, we've known each other a long time and we've been best friends for a long yeah. time, but just thinking and looking at your experience and with the lens of you, like the softness that just the Lord just touched you with, I'm so grateful for because not only did it make make it easier for you to really do the things that you love, but I also know it was particularly beneficial in like your relationships and and in your marriage. Oh, completely. Completely. <laughs> <laughs> and I just it It's, almost, it's hard to explain, and I don't know if I'll keep this in here, but it's hard to explain because I look at like freshman year of college, Adrian, and I see I see this incredible, powerful, like ambitious woman. And none of those things are wrong. Yeah. But I look at you now and I see this woman who is confident and strong and steadfast and those things aren't wrong either, but just the way that you walk daily, I see, like, I can see that the, the touch of softness that the spirit has given to you. Mm-hmm. I, everything that you've said has spurred a couple of thoughts in my brain that I want to share. Um, one is that when I think about like the root of why I, why the ambition and success and all of that stuff was like so huge to me. Really, it came down to the fact that I wanted acceptance from people mm-hmm. and it was like a people pleasing yeah. mechanism mm-hmm. that I had to try to gain approval and praise. I mean, words of affirmation is my love language. You know this. And I mean, gosh, you get your name on a plaque, some pretty good affirmation mm-hmm. of some words, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, that that people-pleasing element, I think, came from the fact that because I was, because I'm introverted naturally, mm-hmm. making friends, unless you have like an extroverted bestie named Caitlin that <laughs> scoops you up on the basketball court when you are literally an awkward baby giraffe, <laughs> and don't know how to make friends. Yes, literally, my nickname in junior high basketball. Yes. And I think one of the reasons why, like, our friendship has been so long-lasting is because you were one of the first people that essentially, like, I don't know, I've seen memes and stuff that say, like, every introvert needs an extrovert that says, hey, you're going to be my friend now, and I'm going (laughs) to take you along and do all these things. And, like, not in a bad way at all, but, like, that's kind of the truth a little bit, Mm -hmm. at least in my experience. And you were one of the first ones that that scooped me up and said, you're going to be my friend now. Let's go hang out. Mm -hmm. And, like, I had not experienced that before. Mm. And... 
then throughout high school, it was like, okay, how do I get more of these friends? And I mean, you know, you were with me through a lot of that. Lots of ups and downs of tumultuous girl friend groups and cliques and everything that like, really, I was just trying to like get more people to like me. And Mm -hmm. the mode that I was doing that in at the same time that I was finding any value that I saw in myself was all wrapped up in that like success stuff. And when, when we went to college and, you know, started out freshman year in that very, the words that you described of like powerful, ambitious, very rough around the edges, like 100%, 100% rough around the edges. And I remember having a conversation with Ridge my sophomore year of college because he was about to take a break from school and I was excited about that, but also terrified about that Mm -hmm. because I essentially had like three really close friends and then tons of acquaintances that I had met through Mm -hmm. things that I had like surface level friendships with, but very few people like knew me. Mm -hmm. And Ridge was so excited about me, excited about the fact that he was leaving so that I would have to make friends. Mm -hmm. And really the phrase that just like hit me like a sledgehammer that my mom, Holly, guys, she's a genius, (laughs) hit me with again in college was to get a friend, you have to be a friend. And I think Mm -hmm. that's when my, like those gentle elements of me started to emerge again. And I started to get more soft around the edges was when I realized that those friendships were more important than the value, than the value that I saw or sought from success or ambition. Mm -hmm. And that's when I really started to expand my like circle of of close people Mm -hmm. that I allowed to know me. And I would say that like, that's when I got way more comfortable with the idea of like being someone who is gentle Mm -hmm. and slow Mm -hmm. (laughs) and more quiet. And I think that that is a good thing now. Mm -hmm. And I would say that probably freshman year, the idea of who I thought that I wanted to be or more so who I thought I had to be to be accepted by people and to receive that value through success, like did not include that word at all. Mm -hmm. And I'm just really, really grateful. I had that heart shift, but that was kind of a journey. Yeah. So good. We love Holly. Holly's so wise. (laughs) Oh my God. What is your why? And it's just, it's very broad. And when I ask, what is your why? What I'm, what I'm hoping for you to answer is ultimately like, if you're looking for and living out this calling on your life, why would you say that it's your calling? What? So based on these experiences that you've had and where your heart is, like, why do you feel drawn? Why do you believe you feel drawn to this calling? Why do you feel like you are drawn to the things that pull on your heart? I think it really comes down to the fact that when I am, when I am walking in obedience, I feel fulfilled. Mm. Like when I, when I am being obedient to what God has told me to do, instructed me to do through scripture and through you know, the, the words that my community encourages me with, like when I'm walking in obedience and the things that I know are right, 
and then in in following those callings that I know they've been laid on my heart that's when I that's when I am living a fulfilled life mm. you know like I feel like that's that's the why and I I I know that that's my purpose like mm. on earth there are other purposes that I can have but my my purpose that I do have to remind myself often of. And there are days when my like selfish pride is like, no, my purpose is to like live my own life and have mm-hmm. a beautiful home and have all the things from Pottery Barn that I could ever want in my apartment. <laughs> that's beautiful. Like I definitely have those moments, mm-hmm. but like, I know that my purpose on earth is to be here to glorify God. Mm-hmm. And the way Come that on. I can do that is by being obedient. And mm-hmm. I know that there are days when I lose sight of that, but when I when I take the take a second to just like pause and be like, what? Why am I doing this? That's why. Mm. It's because that's my purpose. It's literally why I was created. It's why all of us were created. Come on. That's my why. Mm. It's a good reminder this morning. Yeah. <laughs> or whatever time of day you're listening. To. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Oh man, that was. Oh, I just I love you a lot. I love you. And I I think it's I think it's really easy to forget or be overwhelmed by that or even at times when you're wrestling with the idea of like my life is not to glorify myself. Like the purpose mm-hmm. of my life is not to just do whatever I want or to 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 fulfill what I would say, especially American society pushes that like, you should do whatever your heart desires. Mm -hmm. You should, you know, buy whatever it is that's gonna gonna meet that need, fulfill, you know, that that thirst that you have Mm -hmm. and like pursue whatever goal you want. And I think like, absolutely pursue, pursue anything. Like it, the sky is the limit, Mm -hmm. literally pursue anything. But if you are, if you're walking in obedience, and your mind says, I want to be this big shot person that is going to be a public figure and make a ton of money. And God says, no, I want you to work in a small something that's going to be local. And your impact's not going to be as broad, but it's going to be deep. Mm. Then like obedience and humility is saying, yes, Lord, and then doing it joyfully and not being like choosing not to be resentful of that direction and that calling, even if it's different than maybe like what, what our flesh desired mm-hmm. at one point in time, or even in that moment. Yeah. Might yeah. not be a necessary expansion, but no, but I also think like, Because I know that I've experienced that shift mm-hmm. from, yes. like, I mean, that 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 example, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not an anonymous example. It's me. <laughs> yes. Uh, cats out of the bag. Where, like, I at one point, that was what I desired, to be some big hot shot that made a ton of money and lived a glamorous life and, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. And I don't, I don't think that that is what I'm being called to whatsoever. Like, not yeah. even a little bit at this stage of my life who knows 50 years down the road the lord might have something completely different planned for me but right now all i can do is choose to 
to accept what he has given me mm-hmm. joyfully mm-hmm. and faithfully and to obediently live that out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, and I think that there's something to be said, and we've talked about this. It's this idea of why are you drawn to it? Because mm-hmm. I don't, and honestly, Adrian, I, I would not be surprised if you, walking faithfully and obediently, the Lord opens a door or multiple doors where you do have the opportunity to speak the truth in life to a large group of people. Whether that's like all in one place, it's a demographic of people. I really, I, I'm listening to the spirit tell me that I really believe that that is going to be a part of your story and a part of your life. But in the same way that you're, what you're saying right now is the Lord is taking you out of that to, to have you practice and walk in humility so that when that time arises and when you rise to that call, your heart is ready. Because mm-hmm. right now you are incredibly gifted and skilled. And I know, and I know you're still learning. I'm heck, we're all still learning. It doesn't matter how old you are. But the one thing that and you and I both struggle with this, so I have like I'm not calling you out, I'm like, I'm in it with you kind of deal. No, but- I know. <laughs> <laughs> same boat, two paddles. <laughs> up the same creek. Um, but yeah. you know, and my pride also is, Oh, I want to do these big and giant and amazing things. I want everybody to know me. And the thing is like the Lord has put both of us in places to seek out that still small voice, but also mm-hmm. like, and honestly to be part of that still small voice for the people that we love deeply and fiercely and intentionally in our lives immediately where we are. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. You know, I don't know what that will look like for either one of us because, of course, my crystal ball does not work. But, (laughs) you know, it's um, this where we are in this moment, in this season, in this place, like the Lord is teaching us to walk humbly towards him obediently Mm -hmm. so that when the big and maybe shiny and glamorous things do come, like we will be prepared to address it with the right heart. Mm hmm. Because I also think, and we we talked about this on our call a couple weeks ago, like, I believe that the things that the Lord puts on our heart, even if the world and the enemy tries to use them for evil, like, ultimately, like, God can redeem anything. The blood of Jesus can transform anyone, anything, anytime, any place, no matter the situation or the circumstance. And I just... I don't believe that God gives us desires that he's not willing to use. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that, I think that even, even though we may not understand how, how those desires fit into the grand scheme of our, our life here on earth, God knows the inner workings of our heart and our mm-hmm. soul. And he knows the exact moment Mm-hmm. that we're ready for that desire to take flight and take root mm-hmm. and become something else that he has, has orchestrated and planned for our lives to be a part of. And it's just a matter of, of trusting him mm-hmm. and 
choosing to love him with all our heart, soul, and mind so that he can use us. Mm-hmm. Come on. Choosing, choosing that. Mm. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Wow. Can we just... Okay. Wow. Can we just talk about how awesome and good my conversation with Adrian has been up to this point? I really am so completely, totally in awe of all that she has been created to be and what a privilege it has been for me to walk through life with her. Um, So, man, if you would just take a second and just say a prayer of encouragement, gratitude, whatever you are feeling from our conversation, uh, and just thank the Lord for Adrian and who he made her to be in the story that has been written on her life. So for season two, we are going to be switching up a little bit of the end of our podcast. And instead of asking our um, our friends on the show about their kind of fun questions, what we are going to be talking about and diving into is friendship. And in these first couple of episodes, you're going to hear from some of my favorite, favorite friends from college, Adrian being one of them. And we are going to hear about their experience living together um, in a place called the coffee house. And Adrian is going to kick us off, but I'm really excited for you to hear not just Adrian, but the episodes to come of what it looks like to walk faithfully, humbly, truthfully, honestly, genuinely in the real deep, dark depth of biblical friendship. And man, it's going to be good. So stick around for the last few minutes of our episode. And without further ado, here is the rest of my conversation with Adrian. All right, party people. So as we wrap up our conversation with Adrian today, I have kind of switched it up on you. Just so hope you hope you like it. But um, over this next season, we will be interviewing um, some of my very dear and incredible friends who in college lived in a house together. There were five of these incredible humans, right? There are five of you. Yes, mm-hmm. yep, five of you. I was like, I said that, and I, then I got uncertain. But there were five <laughs> of these just incredible women of faith and cherished friends that I have that um, all lived in this rent house that they affectionately named the coffee house. And so, mm-hmm. as we, as you get to meet some of them throughout the season, you know, I'm really excited for you to hear their take on what the coffee house was um, and what their experience was living in the coffee house, really in hopes that you can see the reality and the truth of community and Mm -hmm. both the good, the bad, and the ugly, but also the redemption. And so Adrian, talking about the coffee house, how would you, in your own words, explain the coffee house? Coffee House was 
a group of five girls that really did not know each other very well going into living together for a year. And that group of five girls walked a seemingly very long, tumultuous ups and downs <laughs> of a journey filled with really low lows that we experienced individually and really high highs that we experienced. And we got to walk alongside each other through that. And um, I, for one, ended up leaving that experience with four new people to my my close inner ring. Um, that's how I would describe it. Mm. Yeah, no, I love it, I love it. So what was your experience like living in the coffee house? Really, living in the coffee house was a combination of just like absolute wacky fun, (laughs) (laughs) just like random funny experiences. And some of the most like deep and heartfelt conversations from like a heartbreak standpoint and just overjoyed perspective. Um, that I've ever experienced. And I mean, oh my gosh, so many wacky things happened when <laughs> we were living together. And I think it really comes down to just like the personalities oh, yeah. of, 100%. Our, <laughs> of our little group. And um, so, I mean, I, I am more introverted and less of a I mean, I am, I am kind of goofy, but I have to be in a super, super, super comfortable space to get mm-hmm. kind of goofy. Um, but <laughs> we also have, you know, I'll give kind of a little intro, I guess, Gracie Harris, who is like the goofiest of the goofy. Um, she's psycho but cute. And <laughs> I am obsessed with her. She, um, yeah, she's loved me really well for a lot of years. And um is just literally one of the most fun people but also one of the best listeners and one of the most empathetic people I think I've ever Mm. met that um is gonna cry with you when you experience heartbreak Mm. um for weeks not just once for weeks she's gonna be there alongside you for as long as you need to heal and um that was something that was really beautiful to see come out in that year that, that we lived together. And honestly, Gracie and I lived together for like three years of college. So, um, Mm. I got to experience that a lot, but as a group of five, it was really fun to experience it that year. Um, that's Gracie in this case, numero uno, number two, Gracie Sims, (laughs) um, is also super fun. I would consider her to be in that category as well of, super energetic and um just like kind of a life of the party personality but has to have time to recharge gracie harris like nearly does not need time to recharge it's crazy (laughs) um but gracie sims just like is such a deep thinker Mm -hmm. and has taken the time to learn so much about theology and Mm -hmm just like really, really amazing concepts and like studies. Like she knows so much information. She has a Mm -hmm. wealth of knowledge. And I feel like I learned so much from her Mm -hmm. 
in that year just because of those experiences that she's had and that she's willing to share with people, um, which is huge. Mm -hmm. And then we have Katie Terry, who is also kind of in that category of life of the party. So, you know, we've got like three extroverts tallying up. So, <laughs> but what's funny is introverts were definitely outnumbered. All three of them are very highly extroverted in very different ways. Like, yes, there's not, they're not like, like when we say that they're extroverted, like they're not they, the same. No, not the same at all. <laughs> yeah, not the same. But Katie, Katie is. Katie's an it girl. Like yeah. she knows uh -huh. styles that are going to be popular months before they're popular. Like the white chunky dino shoes. <laughs> she was wearing those. And we were like, what on earth is this? Why are you wearing these? And she was like, guys, they're all the rage. Like everybody's going to be wearing them. And sure enough, <laughs> like eight months later, everyone was, it was like, how did you know? She's so she's an it girl. Yes. And she, I think, is just, like, literally one of the most, like, faithful people. Mm -hmm. Like, I admire, I admire the faith that she has and, and her walk with Christ so much. I feel like mm -hmm. I learned so much from her, even from afar now. Um, but especially when, when we were living together, I, I feel like I got to learn so much about her. Um, and one of the things I really admire about Katie um, that I, that I think we really bonded about was being willing to share our vulnerabilities with people that we don't know super well. Cause mm -hmm. we, we didn't know each other at all before we lived together. Yeah. And both of us were eager is the wrong word, but it, it's more than just a willingness. It was like, mm -hmm. I am, I'm actively going to share this with you. Mm -hmm. And that, um, that was really inspiring. And I mean, it definitely, you know, vulnerability feels vulnerability, vulnerability, uh, vulnerability. gosh. And that's, that's Katie. Mm. And then Carly over here in my introvert camp, I think I have not met another woman that is, that feels so similar to me mm, yeah. than Carly Bender Saunders now, <laughs> Mrs. Carly Saunders. Um, and Carly, Carly and I bonded over hardships that we were going through early on. I did not know Carly before living there either. And, um, we just like, I feel like we are two peas in a pod in that we're just very similar, but very different uh -huh. at the same time. Carly is one of the most intelligent people I think I've ever met in my whole entire life. Um, especially when it comes to math and or <laughs> yes. Excel, yes. like she's mm -hmm. just a wizard. Mm -hmm. And she is also like, normally I feel like math people, no offense to the math people of the world, like are not, not like the absolute best, like emotionally or mm -hmm. like relationally, like that tends to be a different skill set. But like Carly is incredible mm -hmm. from an emotional standpoint. And yeah. I don't think I know anyone that listens as intently as Carly does and listens, listens and listens and listens mm -hmm. and then pauses and then responds. She doesn't listen to respond. Mm -hmm. She like, she is the epitome of listening, mm. really thinking about what it is that you yeah. said, digesting it and then responding. Like literally this girl spouts wisdom all the time. So, yeah. yes, and, and she's super goofy, but people don't know it. 
It's like a secret. So you have to like level That's up the with your friendship with Carly to learn her goofy side. Literally. What would you say your experience living in the coffee house was? What did you gain? What did you, what sharpened you? What was? I think I really gained a firm understanding that good friends, strong friends, steady friends, don't run away when it's hard. Mm. And instead choose to stay and fight for the friendship, fight for you in whatever Mm. battle it is that you're walking through and are, are going to be an advocate for you and an accountability partner with you Mm -hmm. as you like navigate that hardship, whatever that is. And I think by the same token, I also learned And this was a huge realization for all five of us, I think, was that friendships require like as much energy as a dating relationship, Mm -hmm. like they're relationships and there's going to be tiffs and there's going to be spats and there's going to be disagreements and there's going to be hurt feelings at different points in time. But you have to decide, am I, am I in it because I love this person and I'm willing to love through their faults and be there for them and with them, where am I not? And like, that has to be something that you decide Mm -hmm. at some point in a friendship. Yeah. And that, I mean, I have experienced many wonderful friendships and bad friendships that have had their peaks and valleys. And at, you know, at whatever point it is, just, you know, you drift your separate ways or you have a a bigger drifting that has a a specific break point. And, um, I, I think I really learned through, through those five friendships that, that really, really great friends choose to stay. Mm. And, I most certainly knew that from my relationship with you, but I don't think I had like pinpointed it because our Mm. relationship has spanned like 10 years. So it was like, it it didn't happen in in quick succession. Whereas you put five girls with all different personalities in a house together for a year and a lot of stuff is going to happen, especially when COVID starts halfway through. So like a lot of stuff happened in that, in that year that we lived together, but like, I, I just learned that that good friends are willing to stick it out with you. And mm-hmm. if someone isn't willing to sit down and be your friend through the hard times, they're not, they don't get to be there for the good times. Yeah. You know, like same way that we talked about with dating, mm-hmm. I think. Well, so let me, let me ask you this. And it's, this is kind of like an intimate question but would you walk through and maybe like sand some names, but like walk through some of the hard things about living in the coffee house? Cause I think we're really quick to talk about the easy and the fun and the light and fluffy things that come like living in a house with five girls. Like, Oh, it was a party. It was fun. But like, you guys had some hard stuff. Oh my gosh. We did. Hard stuff. We did. And I don't think it was, I don't think that the hard things were like 
I feel like some people would be like, why did you like, that sounds terrible. <laughs> like, why would you want to do that? But like the hard stuff made it to where we were able to reach more like intimate levels of friendship yeah. because we had endured that. I absolutely, I would live the same year again. I would. And there were like many nights where we had a, we had a big sectional couch <laughs> in our living room and the five of us would sit there and we would literally hash it out, whatever it was. We had like coffee house meeting, like we have to talk about this. There is tension. We're talking to each other about things because our schedules wouldn't always align during the week. And I, I remember a specific instance where there was an issue and um, we were we were sitting on the couch talking about it and um, we we learned in in one instance that if you if you have a conversation before you come to someone like that person is going to feel attacked because they are being attacked because you have a plan and you have you have something set up and it's not the best way to go about it like you know but like logically um me for one i i was in the camp of like oh let's create a plan and be on the same page so that we can bring this to this person I love, but it wasn't received like that. And that's, that's honestly the most important part is thinking about how is this going to be received by someone rather than just thinking, this is what I think is the best plan from my perspective, but taking the time to think about what is their perspective going to be when we sit them down and we say, Hey, this is what we think. And by another, like another example I think of, of like, hard times that I absolutely would either, I don't know, when I think about hard times that I learned really great lessons from was sitting on, again, our couch, having a really long conversation, but rather than allowing someone to get up and walk away without actually sharing what they think, like them choosing not to be honest because they're afraid, but instead saying, we love you. We're not going anywhere. That's why we want to hear your mind. Uh-huh. And that was a, like, I didn't even know that that was something that people needed assurance on. Cause it's not something that I have felt that I need assurance on. I have no problem speaking my mind. <laughs> takes like two seconds. Okay. Um, and I'm like, here's all my thoughts about this. <laughs> and that's not how, that's not how everyone is wired. A lot of people uh-huh. need, need encouragement and reminders that you're not going to just like walk away from them yeah. if they actually do speak their mind. And uh-huh. a lot of that comes from past relationships or friendships that have taught them that that's what people do sometimes. And I know that there were people in our group that, learned that lesson over that year and that was a really really wonderful thing i think even though at times we absolutely went about it the wrong way like the lord still works through our terrible flesh mistakes and brought redemption and brought healing Mm -hmm. to those relationships and to us as individual people i firmly believe um but one thing that i that i i do want to mention um was was early on in the experience of living together. And I had something that I was struggling with. And I went to the room of one of the other girls and laid on her bed and just said, Hey, 
And she was like, hey, what are you doing in here? And I was like, I, I just want to tell you something. And I told her what I was struggling with. And it was something that was um, an, a deep, intimate sin struggle of mine. And she broke down into tears and was struggling with the exact same thing. And she was like, I am shocked that you came in here and told me this because I don't think I, like she, she has expressed that she like wouldn't have known how to bring that up. And I have no idea why I felt comfortable going in there to do that. But I think it goes back to that whole like following, following the things that God puts on our hearts Mm -hmm. and being willing to share vulnerability with people. And I think when it comes to building, building strong community, choosing to be vulnerable yourself with people that, you know, you've, you've checked up on, right? Like, don't just go share vulnerable stuff with like some random person. That's not Mm -hmm. a good idea. But like, (laughs) if someone is trustworthy and has good character Mm. based on what you have heard from other people or based on the experiences that you have had with them, just like, you know, use your best, your best judgment on that. But like sharing, sharing the vulnerable things that we're going through allows an opportunity, A, for maybe someone who's walking through the same thing to to have someone to walk through it with them now, like both of you now have someone. But if if you're sharing something that the person that you're sharing it with is not experiencing or has never experienced, what you are doing is opening the door for them to come alongside you as a prayer warrior, as an accountability partner as you work to overcome that and as a support system as you try to navigate whatever emotions it is that you're feeling through it and i saw that that part of it time and time and time and time again living in that house from relationship drama to eating disorders to emotional trauma like literally Uh so many different things that all of us were experiencing in different ways and different aspects or had experienced at one point in time or had never experienced before, but said, I love you and I'm gonna be here for you and we're gonna pray about this right now. And mm. that was that was the most amazing part about living with those girls. Mm. Well, thank you, thank you for sharing that. I mean, <clears throat> because it's so, it, it, and I'll just say it again, like it's so easy for us to just brush over the hard things and say, oh, it was hard. But like in the reality of what it is like being like a young woman, like community is necessary. It is important, it is good, but it's hard too. And sometimes we, we as young women struggle with this idea of community because we feel like it always has to be sunshine and rainbows. And if it's not always sunshine and rainbows, then it's wrong. And that's a Mm -hmm. lie that the enemy uses to keep us apart from each other. Yeah. I mean, when, when you withstand a storm with someone and you get to the other side and the storm passes, the sun is so much brighter like because you're with you're with someone that 
that has stood there holding the umbrella with you. And you know that when it comes again, they're going to do it again because they love you and they've proven that they're, they're willing to stick it out with you. And I think that that's, I think that's a really amazing thing about, about friendships. But as I think about it now, and we have, we have moved away, right? We don't live in that house anymore. We don't live in the same town anymore. We don't even live in the same state anymore. And I think what's really amazing is that when you've walked intimately with someone or multiple people in a friendship in close proximity to one another, like living or even just being in the same town, um, it doesn't have to end because you move away. And I was very, very sad when we moved to Missouri and I started to realize that I was no longer like, I couldn't just call someone to go to Sonic with me or, Hey, I'm going to target. Do you want to come with me? Or I'm going to go for a walk. Do you want to come just like those kinds of things? Mm -hmm. Or like, do you want to sit on the couch with me and eat chips and salsa till her belly hurts? Like, you know, those kinds of things. And what I have learned is that when you, when you take the time to withstand the storms of people, you're able to keep, to keep walking with them through the storms that they're facing in a life now that you are no longer a part of daily, uh-huh. but that you can still offer the same level of support and absolutely fervent prayer for them uh-huh. from afar. And that is, that was thankfully a lesson that I have learned quickly in uh-huh. living apart from, um, literally all of my friends none of my friends live in the city that I live in um but that is worth it Mm. to worth it to fight the fight with people so that you can I don't know just keep doing it yeah (laughs) it never ends because that's relationships Uh it's people because we're not perfect and I think that's a big I think that's a big thing is not expecting perfection from people. And mm-hmm. that was definitely something that we like really had to work through there was uh-huh. like, we're not, none of us are perfect. We're going to make mistakes and that's okay. Uh-huh. Definitely prepared me for marriage. <laughs> oh man. Adrian, thank you so much for hanging out and just walking through some of these really like tough things. Because I know that I'm really glad that we did it. Yeah, and I know I know we walk through these things a lot. <laughs> you know. Oh my gosh! Unfortunately, like so many times. <laughs> yeah. Yes. But I just I'm really I'm I'm really grateful for our conversation and the truth and the life that you know we get to speak to each other. But hopefully that someone else got to hear. So mm-hmm. I love you. Absolutely, I love you too. Oh my gosh, I. Oh, I'm just so over the moon at my conversation with Adrian. Friends, thank you so much for hanging out with us today. I would be so incredibly grateful if you would be willing to write a rating and a review of our podcast. That is the easiest way for us to invite people into our conversations. And y'all, I don't know about you, but I definitely know that there's somebody out there that needs to hear this. So until next time, 
I am praying for all of us to be the kind of women that when our feet hit the floor, the devil says, oh no, she's up. <laughs>